Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. You doing good today? Good. I hope so. Because what we talk about today is not the most fun thing to talk about. It's the tribulation. It's the current tribulation or it's the coming tribulation. Whatever your view happens to hold, it's just when believers go through difficult things. And you go through things you never imagined. This day is very interesting that it fell on this day. Who in the world could have imagined a 9-11 event happening to this country? Had you asked me a week before, two weeks before, I mean, who would have said, oh yeah, I believe that's going to happen? No way. It happened. And you remember how full the churches were after that? I mean, you remember seeing Congress standing on the steps of the Capitol singing together, God bless America. It's like tragedy and those things bring us together. And then if you happen to have connections or you're from England or you know anybody there, can you imagine 80% of that country has never known anything other than Queen Elizabeth II? And she's gone. There's just things in our world that are changing. And every one of us have those moments. There are things in your life. You go through things in, in your marriage you never dreamed you would go through. Your kids, they, they grow up and they begin to make choices. You're like, I, how does that happen? I mean, it can be something as simple as a, as, as a football game. Something happens and you just say, well, how in the world did that happen? There's all kinds of surprises and I'm just so thankful we have a Savior who doesn't want us to be surprised. Aren't you? I mean, he's just saying, I want to tell you. Now, he doesn't give us details. You know why? Because we'd be over there checking whatever. How many of you, how many, how many of you in the room just like to get, I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm just talking about just normal stuff. You like to get all the details. You're a detail person. You got to have the details. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you right now. There's no way we got details on this. When you read what we're going to read together, <laughs> there, there's stuff, but there's no details. But there's a reason. And so I want you to, to know that today we remember what happened on 9-11. And I remember those sites. And I know who got us through. And I know who's with the families of those that lost family members and friends in those buildings. I know those first responders that ran into the buildings when everybody was running out. I just will never forget them. And I pray you don't either. And pray for their families. But the same one that got us through that will get us through whatever comes our way. And I just want to remind you, before we read what Jesus said, about this, I want to remind you, 
Take your hand, show me the palm of your hand. Everyone, okay? Lay your thumb down in the palm of your hand. That thumb represents you. Your hand represents God who is the creator of the universe. Now wrap, that's how he has you. So whatever happens out here in the circumstances of our world, whatever happens, guess what? He's got us. Can we thank him and give him praise and just say, thank you, God. He's got us. It's going to be okay. So let me go back to the timeline just to give you a reference point. When Jimmy preached last time, he said, don't focus on the dot that represents when you live and, and the life that you live. No, no. Don't focus on the dot. Keep the line in mind. And so this whole series is about trying to get our life to be bigger than just one moment in time and letting it un let us understand all that's going to happen. Not with detail, but enough to know, man, it's going to be okay. The whole point of this is not to bring fear. It's not to bring anxiousness. It's to bring assurance. You're going to be okay. God's got us. So before we read what Jesus said, and we're going to start, by the way, if you've got a Bible, go to Mark 13. Mark 13. It's really important to have something in your hand, maybe your phone or something you can read along. In fact, let me do something I hardly ever do. Show me a copy of God's Word. Raise it up. Either a phone or a... There you go. Nice. Nice. I see we got a lot of old school like me. I like a book in my hand. Phones are great. I just love to have it in my hand where I can look at it. Phones will serve you well also. If you're on the stream, just get a copy of something that has Mark 13. Mark 13 is the place where Jesus, when he was walking literally up to the Mount of Olives, the night before he dies. I mean, literally, some believe it was the night before, some believe a few days before, but let's say within a week, he has he is asked the question, hey, look at these beautiful stones. And he says, yeah, but let me tell you what's going to happen to those stones. In other words, the temple's going to go, guys. The temple is not going to be here. That's like saying 9-11 is going to happen. And they said, well, when, when is that? What is that? And that's when he taught his greatest teaching on the end. And I know there's a lot of places we could go to. We could go to Revelation. We could go to Daniel. We could go to a few places in the letters of Paul. But I just think, why not let Jesus be our teacher today? And I will tell you, there are things he didn't address. We won't have time to address today. But I think we can at least walk with him through what he's going to say. So the timeline is just a reference. So we can understand everything began in the garden. With creation, man fell. Something happened. It was broken, the world was broken, man was broken, and Jesus comes in order to redeem man and one day redeem the earth and make a whole new earth for us. During this season, after Jesus, there is all kinds of stuff happening. Technically, if you ask when the last days begin, they begin here. The moment Jesus ascended to the Father, there was, there was persecution, there was tribulation, there was all kinds of stuff happening. And then... He's coming. So let me speak to that a minute. How many of you ever heard the word rapture? Okay, a lot of you. Rapture, it's not in the Bible. 
You may read stuff that says it is. It's not in the Bible. It's a Latin word. It's been inserted into Scripture. The concept is there, but the word rapture is not there. There's a Greek word that refers to his coming. So let me just say there are several angles and several ideas, at least four major ones, that you could choose to believe. And I want to walk over and show you so that you don't kind of get lost in this. There is a view that says Jesus is going to come back and take us out so we don't have to go through the tribulation. Now, if I'm voting, that's the one I'm voting for. Hey, man, I, I don't want to be here. But I'm not sure that's what the scripture teaches. There's a second view that says somewhere in the middle. He takes the church out before the great tribulation, it's called. There's also one that says he comes before wrath. The wrath of God is poured out. There is a place we know the wrath of God will be poured out against the Antichrist. The Antichrist shows up somewhere right here. And so God will deal with him and Jesus comes and destroys him. But that wrath is not against us. It's against the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist and those who follow him. You don't have to worry about that. I'll give you a verse out of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now there is, there, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry. Somebody took the wrath of God for you, the Son, Jesus. And so you and I live in that assurance of that right there. And then there's the view that says, no, he's coming here. He will rapture or take his people to himself, and then they will come in as a king making his entrance into a reign on this earth. So all of those can be supported with Scripture. I just think it's fascinating why the Bible left it open to a lot of those. In other words, have you ever just wondered, because I'm kind of like you detail people, why, why didn't you just tell us everything? I got a feeling I know why. Because I don't think we sometimes handle the truth the way we should. So what did he do? He gives us what we need to know. So with that, I want you to start reading with me. I'm going to do it a little different today and that we're going to read and stop. We're going to read and stop. So everybody with a copy of the word open or at least a phone on in front of you. Chapter 13, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down or enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And as for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it not happen in winter. For those days there will be such tribulation has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. So let's stop there. So what he's saying is that this tribulation that is coming to the earth one of those signs that you know is, is what's called the abomination of desolation. Now, that's a big word, okay? I grew up in a church that I was told if I messed with the Lord's Supper, that's the abomination of desolation, meaning 
don't touch the Lord's Supper. I mean, I just grew up, there's a little table I used to see every Sunday that had a little table that said, this do in remembrance of me. It was called the Lord's Supper table. Don't touch it. That's not what that means. It basically means someone is standing where they shouldn't be standing. Just think about that a minute. Somebody is standing where they shouldn't be standing. So when they heard that, what would they think? I can tell you exactly what they would think. That happened. And it may happen again. Let's go back in history. Daniel actually says it three times. In the book of Daniel, the prophet says three times an abomination of desolation. First time, he's referring to what happened during Daniel's days. Remember, Daniel was the one that was just persecuted unbelievably by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. That song a minute ago, Another in the Fire, one of my favorite songs, came out of the period of Daniel when those three Hebrew children were thrown into the fire and all of a sudden there was a fourth one. And who was that fourth one? Say his name. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. If we go through the fire, so what? He will be with us. Just like he was then. So Daniel talks about it, but also Daniel one time refers to it, and we believe it happened 200 years before Christ was born in what's called the intertestamental period, during a Maccabean revolt, they call it. Technical words you don't have to remember, but remember this. A Syrian king went into the Holy of Holies, took a pig, and slaughtered the pig on the Holy of Holies. Literally slaughtered it. Blood ran all over the Holy of Holies. And he said, we're building an altar to Zeus. Now, how well do you think that went over with the Jews? They call that an abomination of desolation. Because he was not where he was supposed to be. And let me tell you a third time it happened. It happened in 70 AD when Rome encircles the city of Jerusalem. 70 AD, now that's just about 30 years after Jesus spoke this, maybe a little more even, maybe 40 years. And they came into the city and destroyed it. Remember, Nero died. And so now Vespasian is the Caesar. He has a general by the name of Titus. He sends him to Jerusalem to get the Jews under control. When they get there, they decide to demolish the city. 70,000 soldiers marched into Jerusalem. 70,000. Do you know how many Jews died during that? Over a million. It was a slaughter. And what did Titus do, the general? He walked into the Holy of Holies. He stood there and said, I'm standing in the holiest place of the Jews where they worship their God, and there is no God here. And he took the menorah, the candlestick. You see it to this day. He took the showbread that what God instructed them to leave, the showbread. I mean, it's got an incredible history. They took the menorah and the showbread. He carries it back to Rome, and they parade in the streets of Rome with it. Did you know that no one other than the high priest had ever seen the menorah outside of the Holy of Holies, outside of, they had not seen the showbread. So could that be the fulfillment of somebody standing where they should not be? Absolutely. To every one of those Jewish disciples who heard it, they knew exactly 
when they saw it happen. Because they were alive. All of them were alive in 70 AD. Could it be there's another one coming? Yep. It could be. But remember this. It's somebody standing where they ought not be. Now, I want to I remind you, an antichrist is coming. We don't know when he's coming. We don't know who it is. It is not Barack Obama. Just please leave him alone. It is not somebody that we know. Donald Trump. I, I, there's all kinds of names that are offered. I don't think we're going to know necessarily it is the Antichrist. I think it's somebody we will know because they're going to be obviously very popular and they're going to be very persuasive and very charismatic. Okay? At one time, Bill Gates was up for running for the, Obama, I mean, for the Antichrist. I, I, I don't get into that. I remember once a member of church came to me and said, hey, David, do you believe that Visa is the mark of the beast? I said, Visa? What Visa? The Visa card. He said, do you have a Visa credit card? I said, uh, yeah. He said, can I see it? So I got a credit card out to show this guy. He goes, did you know that that name, Visa, V-I-S-A, if you add up the numeric equivalent of those letters, it comes out to 666. He said, I think, I, think, I think it's the Antichrist. I mean, I think this is the mark of the beast from the Antichrist. I looked at him, I said, no, it isn't. It's American Express, and they're doing a great job trying to convince you <laughs> that you need to get rid of Visa. So listen, their guess is all over. I just, I don't know. Just don't get into that, all right? We don't know. But here's what we know. The man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will rise up and stand where he ought not to to be. Paul actually says he will stand in the seat, take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Okay, for Paul, what temple was he referring to? When Paul was writing, there was no temple. I mean, there was a temple, but it was really, had been rendered almost useless because of the overthrow of the Romans. So what, what temple was he talking about? Now, Paul's writing happened before, and, and some applied it to after it, so he could have been replying to the temple before, but temple's then gone. I'll show you what temple he was talking about. He's talking about this temple and that temple. So figure this. Somebody's coming to deceive you and is going to take the place that only Jesus belongs in your heart. He's going to take the place where Jesus should be. And he's going to be standing where he ought not to be. And it could be he's going to be in another place physically. But I just think there is this warning to us. Never let anybody on the throne of your life except Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The only one who is worthy to take that place. Don't believe another. So he says, there's going to be one who comes. Revelation 13 talks about it. And cause him. I mean, you can read all this stuff. And there's going to be this siege of Rome, and it's going to be horrible. Can I just tell you that the references in this scripture, and you heard me as I read it, those who are pregnant, pray it doesn't happen in winter. Why is that? Because basically, the Jews would be homeless after the Romans destroyed everything. And it was an assault. They ran, Rome ran out of wood 
to make crosses as they crucified Jews. The Romans had, they loved crucifixion. That was their main way of crucifying or, you know, executing people. They ran out of wood. One million, 1.1 million, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, it was unthinkable what happened to them. In fact, they referred to it, never have that many been killed in that short a span as were killed then. It was horrible. And so basically what he's saying is, if, you're, if you would pray, it doesn't happen in winter. Why? Because it's cold. I never thought about Israel being cold or Jerusalem being cold until this year. It snowed on us in Jerusalem. I froze to death. And I'm literally, I mean, it was, it was cold. I got to thinking, oh my goodness, what they had to go through. And by the way, we don't think it happened in winter. We think it happened in late March. And it basically lasted throughout the summer. But all of these warnings, they come, I believe, first as a result of him saying it's coming. Something's going to happen to this temple. You're going to experience it, and it's traumatic. Now, let's read on a little further. We stop reading in verse 19. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. Remember that. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. So basically what God is saying is, I'm going to take care of you. Now, is this referring to just 70 AD or later in the end? Both. He's going to take care of us. But I got to tell you, persecution is coming. Persecution's already here. We're going to have to go through a season of persecution. And let me tell you why. The day Jesus ascended back to the Father, it began. Do you know how many Jews were killed in the first weeks after Jesus was ascended? There were Jews being killed. There were Christians being killed. Even Paul, the apostle, what was he doing? Killing Christians because they were Christians. And so in the first and second century, there's this unbelievable outpouring of wrath against Christians. And so for me, if you ask me, does the tribulation begin in the future or are we already living in it? We may already be living in it. We may already be experiencing every year 150,000 people perish because they are a Christian every year. So what he's saying, there's persecution coming and you know what else is coming? There's going to be people standing up going, hey, I've got the answer. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Messiah. Follow me. Look what Jesus warns them about. The next verse, verse 21. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Look, there he is. Don't believe it. For false Christ and false prophets arise and will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Isn't it funny how we go through seasons of turmoil in the world and a lot of books come out. And a lot of people say, well, I've got, I've got the answers. I know the way. You know, there are a lot of books. I got one this morning. <laughs> I get people hand me books all the time. Can I just, and I'm not dishonoring any book. Books are great. I mean, I, I love books. There's some books that really ministered me and feed me. But let me tell you what, as the days progress, there is one book I need more than any book on the planet. And that's this book. 
and you and I have to make a commitment, I'm going to stay here. Now, read the other stuff if you like. But man, get to know this so well so that we are prepared. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. I got you. But there's going to be people saying, this is the way. Follow this, follow that. And the last thing he said, you know what the last thing he said? But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. In other words, I don't want it to catch you by surprise. It's coming. I don't want you to, to try to figure it out. He would have told, this would have been a great place to talk about how he's going to return. It'd have been a great place for him to explain this. Okay, this is when I'm going to do this. This is when I'm going to do that. We don't know. We just know we're somewhere in here. We could be in what's called the tribulation. We know toward the end, there's a reference to seven years. It's in Daniel as well as in Revelation. I mean, Revelation, when you read Revelation, man, you, you first read about the, the trumpets. I mean, you read about the seals that are the signs of this tribulation. You read about the trumpets announcing catastrophic things that happen on the earth. And then you read about the bowls, which represent the wrath of God against lawlessness and the Antichrist. So all that's happening in here. Could it be happening now? It could. I don't think the question for us today is try to figure out, is this the tribulation or is it coming later? I don't know. I think these are the lessons we've got to get. Are you ready? Number one, we're going to put them all up here. It is not a matter of if, but when we will be persecuted for Jesus. Some of you have already experienced persecution for Jesus. Some of you have done something that you took a stand for Christ and it cost you. I'm not crazy enough to think that every weekend, whether somebody streaming or watching on TV or in this room, has not gone through any persecution. Yes, you have. As I told you, 150,000 every day die for his name. Jesus told us this. He said, blessed are you when they persecute you. This is in the Beatitudes, right? The Sermon on the Mount. That was early in the ministry of Jesus. He said, blessed are you when they persecute you for my name's sake, for they persecuted the prophets before you. And great is your reward. You know what Paul told Timothy when he wrote Timothy? This is crazy. This is a powerful verse. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? How many of you desire to live a godly life? Welcome to persecution. It's going to happen. That's what he's saying. And then I just think we have to remember that Every disciple that we read about here, every disciple died by persecution and, and martyrdom, except for one. Do you know which disciple out of the 12 that did not experience death because he was a believer? John. What makes that crazy is he got exiled to an island. He writes the book of Revelation. He writes John, the gospel. He writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the letters. And they put him in a pot of boiling water and tried to boil him to death, and he didn't die. So let me say, when you've been through what he's been through, you can almost count it. <laughs> he's, he's just like the others. He suffered greatly. All of them died because they were Christians. You see, I just think that when you read these verses, you just have to think about this. There's a prosperity gospel out there. 
that says if you follow Jesus and if you're really a person of faith that you're going to be healed and you're going to be wealthy and you're not going to experience all this stuff, that is so foreign to the biblical record. It just is ashamed. Guys, I wish I could stand here and preach that it's going to be great. Just love Jesus and everything works out. No. I can preach love Jesus and Jesus will work everything out. But it isn't the way you may think it ought to be worked out, nor the way I. Did you know we grow more in persecution than any other time? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what it does for us to help us mature in our faith. Just make sure, Jesus said, they persecute you for my name's sake. Just make sure that the way you're living, they persecute. If you are persecuted, make sure it's for Jesus' sake, not because you're a jerk. They're two different things. It's for Jesus. Second lesson, we will endure because Jesus is with us. He said, those who persevere, persevere at the end, they shall be what? Saved. You're going to be okay. Why? Because Jesus is with you. And you know what the scripture says? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Can we give him praise for that? He is greater in us than the ones that we may face in this world. Okay, third lesson. No matter what happens, our mission does not change. What's the mission of the church? Make disciples. Evangelize. Tell them about Jesus. We're his witnesses. It's the last thing he told us when before he ascended is go and be my witnesses. Start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, and go to the other most parts of the earth. That mission doesn't change. We don't get to say, oh, well, it got hard, Jesus, so I didn't, I stopped telling anybody. Nope. In fact, let me ask you a question, trivia. What is the greatest growth of the church? What period of history is the greatest growth of the church? Meaning numbers, people coming to Christ literally in the thousands. What period of history? Anybody know? During the persecution of the second and third century. During persecution. Tertullian, that's a name you won't have to remember, but he's a church father who lived in that period of time. He said it's the blood of the martyrs that's the seed of the church. It, it's what made people come to Christ because they saw Christians who were staying true to a Savior even when it cost them something. So no matter what happens to us, guys, let's make a covenant. We're going to be faithful, and we're going to keep the mission. It's not going to change. We got a mission. We're going to do it. You know, when I was playing football, I was playing center. Center, not center, center. We do have football players that play the other part. But anyway, I was the center. We had a play to get a first down. When I would come up over the ball... <laughs> The quarterback would go through the cadence, and then he'd take off in motion. You know, you got one, one person can go in motion in the back. That, that was our rules that we were playing. I got over the ball. Quarterback comes up. It's like a third down and two yards. I think it might have even been going on fourth down. It was a close one. We needed to get this first down. Quarterback went through the cadence, took off running, and nobody moved. So I'm over the ball going, what do we do? They never taught us what to do when it didn't work. 
In other words, do I just let time run out and they call a penalty for delay of game? So I'm over the ball and I'm looking down the line and the quarterback's already at the sideline just jogging in place. This is what went through my mind. Hey, I don't know what to do, but I know what the goal of this game is, to get this ball across the end zone. I picked the ball up and ran it. I have 15 yards in my resume that I gained that day and got us a first down and we won the game. Now, let me just say this. Do you know what the coach did when I ran off the field? He met me and he goes, what were you thinking? I said, well, coach, I know the rules. You got to get the ball across the end zone. He goes, don't ever do that again. <laughs> the refs were over there with their little books going, I, we don't know. What, is it legal? Is it not legal? What I'm saying is when you know the goal, don't let anything change it. We are called to follow Christ and be a witness no matter what the world is doing. And the last thing, there's going to be a great reward. There's going to be a great reward. I promise you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Look what he promised the church in Smyrna. This is in Revelation. He said that you are going to be faithful unto death, and if you do, I will give you the crown of life. I just, I promise you, there is a reward coming if we can be faithful. So here's the lesson for us today. No matter what happens, we're going to keep being who we are. Are you prepared? Have you ever even come in a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him? If you know him, are you living for him? In other words, don't let the circumstances change you. You change the circumstances. There was a man who lived in in, in Smyrna where that letter was sent. It's not far from Ephesus. And it's a place in the second century where he was the bishop. He was known as one of the most famous bishops of all. And Polycarp died because he would not deny Jesus. And let me tell you what's interesting about this guy. He still is remembered today in that city. I was in Turkey a few years ago, traveling to Ephesus. They had already told me the God is Muslim. So he may not believe as Christians believe, but he's Muslim. And and I said, well, that's great. I'll I'll share with him. I'll talk to him. So as we're riding along, getting to know one another, I said, where do you live, sir? And he said, I I live in a little place called Smyrna. You probably never heard of it. And I said, oh, yeah. Now, he didn't say New Smyrna. It's a different place, okay? (laughs) Make sure you're with me. I said, no, I, I know exactly where that is. He said, really, how do you know? I said, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a man named Polycarp? He goes, Oh my goodness, how do you know that man? Well, I said his story is legendary. He said, David, I'm not a Christian. And that man was. But that man is the man we honor in Smyrna. And there are plaques to him. There are statues of him. There's stuff all over that town. You know why? Because this is why. The day they brought him in the arena to kill him. There were 20 to 30,000 people in that arena and they were chanting his death and he had one more chance to deny Jesus. And this is the moment Polycarp said, for 80 and six years, I have believed 
and serve my king. And not one day has he turned his back on me. So I am not turning my back on him today. And with that, they began to time. He said, you don't have time me, I'll die gladly. He literally laid down on the brush pile as the fire started. And the last thing they heard was him singing praise to Jesus. He became a legend. And you know why he did that? Because he believed it was worth it. Jesus was worth it. Is he worth going through a little persecution? Is he worth going through a lot of persecution? Is he worth whatever it is life may bring? You see, I don't know what this timeline, if I can go back to that, I don't know some of these things. I don't know what's going to happen in here. All I know, he's coming, and I want to live as if he's worth it, because he is. My wife and I had to clean out a safe because <laughs> we couldn't open it, and we had to have help getting in. So we replaced it, but as we're going through stuff, she found something. And she handed me this. It was in an envelope. I can't give you the names, but it's an envelope on the outside. It says to be opened at death. Every missionary that we send has to leave with their pastor uh, something that gives instructions if they don't make it back. And so this man, the wife is still living, but the man is gone. And it was the first time I'd opened it. I opened it up. And this is what they left me. We counted the cost. Jesus is worthy of it all. We counted the cost. You know, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what the days ahead are going to be like. I just know this. We've counted the cost. And would you agree? He is worth it all. I want you to join me in standing. And as we stand together, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that God gives us this conviction that we're going to follow. If you've never put your trust in Christ, you can text us the word CONNECT to 40777. Or if you're in the room, you can have a conversation on the campus. Literally on either side, there are people ready to talk. If you've never put your faith in Him, if you have, are you living in such a way that you're ready? No matter what comes, he's worth it. Father, thank you for seeing that we needed to know something. We needed to have words of assurance, and you've given us those words through Jesus, our Lord. There's so many things we don't understand, but this one thing we do, Jesus, you are worth all of it. So whatever comes our way, we will count the cost because we believe you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, and let everyone say, amen. Hey, God bless you. Next week, we talk about the coming of the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.